Hi, this is Pastor Tom. I want to welcome you to chapter 21 of the book of Matthew. That means it's our 23rd week studying through Matthew together, our first day of looking at chapter 21. And as we head into chapter 21 of Matthew, we are starting the final week of Jesus' earthly life, Jesus' life before the cross, before the resurrection. This week, Jesus coming into Jerusalem begins with a fulfillment of prophecy. The week, in, in fact, is filled with fulfillment of prophecy, but it begins with a very strong fulfillment of prophecy beginning in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, comes into Jerusalem. And they shout, Hosanna. That's the familiar scene that we have. Hosanna with the branches being spread and the coats being spread. Hosanna, which means save now, save now. They are not just praising Jesus. They're actually praying to Jesus. They're saying, will you save us now? And particularly, they wanted him to save them from the Roman occupation that was going on in Jerusalem. But I want to look more closely at the beginning part of this because it's a fulfillment of prophecy. All through this week, this last week of Jesus' life, he's going to fulfill prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. He did it all during his earthly ministry, but it multiplies in the fulfillment of prophecy as you get into this last week of Jesus' life. Now, as you look at the ways that Jesus fulfilled prophecy, it's interesting to note that sometimes he intentionally fulfilled a prophecy because he knew what they were. He knew the Old Testament, and sometimes they were fulfilled through the actions of others, something he couldn't have controlled at all. So sometimes, like here, he rides in on a donkey because he knew the scripture said he was going to ride in as a king on a donkey. Or cleansing the temple is a fulfillment of the prophecy that we'll talk about later this week. Or being silent before his accusers. That was a choice that he made to fulfill prophecy. But many of the prophecies that were fulfilled came to the actions of others, like being sold for 30 pieces of silver or his hands and his feet being pierced or his bones not being broken or the piercing of his side or the, even the casting of lots for his garments and being buried in a rich man's tomb. All of those were prophecies from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Here, the prophecy specifically is that Jesus would be riding in. And if you look at the prophecy from the Old Testament, it is the prophecy that he would ride in on a donkey. He would ride in on the colt of a donkey or the, the baby, you might say, of a donkey. Now, it says, ride a donkey and ride the colt of a donkey. So the question is, which one is it? Which one is it? Imagine the discussions they had before Jesus came the first time, trying to decide exactly how he would fulfill this prophecy. Would it be the donkey or would it be the colt? Why did it say both? We can't understand why it said both. Because it says both, maybe it would be neither. Maybe it's just something symbolic. We don't understand what it means. And here we come to the story and we see Jesus rides both. 
Both are brought to him, bring both the donkey and the colt. The coats are put on both of them, and apparently it says he rides them. He rides on the colt, on the donkey. Now, I guess he could have done it at the same time, but I don't think that's how it happened. I think he rode on one, and then he rode on the other. Then he rode on one, and then he rode on the other. But the truth is, we don't know exactly how he did it. And people today are still arguing even about what happened 2,000 years ago. How did he exactly ride on both? If you read some of the other gospel accounts, it only talks about one donkey. Now, that doesn't mean there couldn't have been two, by the way. Some people think, well, that's a contradiction in Scripture. If one place it says one and the other place it says two, actually it's more an affirmation of the eyewitness accounts. Anytime you have an eyewitness account, they're going to bring out different things, different people. So some of the gospel writers just chose to talk about one donkey. Matthew, who was writing particularly to the Jewish audience, particularly to let them know about their king, take some extra time with this fulfillment of prophecy of the king who was riding into Jerusalem to make sure that we know that when they went to get the animals, there were two animals, and that when they came into Jerusalem, there were both animals involved. Just as it said in the Old Testament is just as it happened in the New Testament. But today, still, because some New Testament letters, gospels talk about only one, and the others talk about two, people are trying to figure out exactly how did it work. If only we had a YouTube video of Jesus riding in Jerusalem on this donkey, then we'd know exactly how it happened. But because we weren't there, we don't have a video of it, it's hard for us to visualize. Either both together or one at a time, the issue is what the Old Testament said he would do, Jesus exactly did. Now, why am I talking about two donkeys so much? When you look at the study of prophecy today, you can see a lot of parallels to the discussions of these two donkeys Uh, people have one opinion or another opinion. This is how it's going to happen in the end. This is how it's going to happen in the end. And there are some parts of prophecy that you read in the book of Revelation, from Daniel all the way to Revelation, that when we look at it, it's hard to put the two together. How are these two things going to happen at the same time? I'm not going to get into all the discussion of the second coming prophecies now. If you're an expert in those, you know exactly what I'm talking about as I say these things. As we look at those two different ways it can happen, what begins to emerge is different opinions about how Jesus is going to fulfill what the Bible says he's going to do. So if you take this donkey prophecy, for instance, in the end, you get the one donkey group of people, you get the young donkey group of people, you get the old donkey group of people, and you get the two donkey group of people. And sometimes if you get them all in a room, they argue with each other like they're not even believers. They're not even fellow Christians because they're so intent on their opinion. Now, I believe Jesus is coming again. I believe there is a second coming, and I believe the New Testament teaches us some things about how he's going to come again to get our hearts ready, and that it's important for us to study these things. But in our discussion of these things, we have to discuss with humility. We have to discuss with a sense of the fact that Jesus is going to do exactly what he said he would do. When it comes to the second coming of Jesus, Jesus's goal is not going to be to affirm one view of prophecy. Jesus's goal is to do all that he said he would do. And often, like with these two donkeys that day, often it will be both somehow. Now, I know if you're an expert in prophecy, you're thinking, well, it's impossible with this one. It could not be both until you see him do it. At the end, when Jesus accomplishes everything that he said he would do, watch out for Jesus's surprise. And in the meantime, as you and I study prophecy together, we need to realize that at the end, when Jesus comes again, one proponent of one view of prophecy is not going to turn to the other proponent of another view of prophecy and say, I was right. 
We're not gonna look at each other when Jesus comes again and say, I was right, or you were right, or they were right. When Jesus comes again, we're just gonna look at him and say, he is Lord. He is Lord. That's what prophecy is all about. And to me, when I read the story of a colt and a donkey, it's a reminder to me that God's gonna be faithful in the end. He will accomplish each and everything that he said he will do. That is true with all the details of prophecy that we read. It's also true with every promise for your life in the end. The promise of no more tears. The promise of victory. The promise of an inheritance. The promise of eternal joy with him. You can trust that every single thing will be done because he keeps his promises, everyone. Let's take a minute to pray together and thank him for that. Our Father, we do thank you together that you are trustworthy. And we praise you that even as Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies of the first time that he came and walked on this earth, he will fulfill all of the prophecies when he comes back again. Thank you that in the fulfillment, we see your faithfulness. In the fulfillment, we see that you can be trusted with every promise that you've ever made. And so we trust you. In Jesus' name, we trust you. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to see together Jesus cleansing the temple.